Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports. But I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I am constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I hope your week treated you right. I know mine did. I... Basically, I've been super busy with clients and working on programs and things. That seems to be the common denominator with a lot of what I do, uh, but uh, it's been great. I do want to say that I recently started adding lab testing to my website because, yet again, I gave a client a list of things to take to her doctor to have tested and when she got her lab work back, it was missing most all of that stuff. And that was super frustrating to me as a coach um, and as somebody that's advocating for other people's health. A lot of doctors aren't checking the correct things to help people, you guys. And you have to be an advocate for your health. I can't tell you how important that is. It's so frustrating. So in this case, I requested a comprehensive thyroid panel that had all of the important thyroid tests. And when the labs came back, all they had tested was thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. And I find that nine out of 10 times, that's what doctors test. And when people are struggling with a sluggish thyroid and they test TSH, that doesn't mean anything. TSH is just the little signal that tells the thyroid, hey, wake up, you've got to do your job. And so you can have all of the TSH needed to properly function your thyroid, but if your thyroid itself isn't functioning, then it's not going to get you anywhere. So when your doctor tests your labs and says, oh yeah, we checked your thyroid, it's fine, and they only tested TSH, that is a huge fail, huge. And I can't tell you how important it is that they check the other stuff like T3, reverse T3, T4, TPO. There's a whole list. If you need it, it's on my Instagram as well as my Facebook in the fitness and motivation group. You guys, if you have any questions about what labs should be being run, especially when it comes to the thyroid, please, please shoot me a DM. I can get you set off into the right direction because if a doctor is telling you that they tested your thyroid and all they tested is TSH, that is bad news. You're not going to learn anything from that. So with that being said, I did include a resource to my website, www.connynightingale.com. That is a page that is called lab testing. There are some of my favorite lab tests on there that you can have done for yourself. No doctor involved. Be an advocate of your own health. 
and they will send you the kit or send you to where you need to be tested at, and you can get those tests done and get the results back and bring that to your doctor and say, hey, look, this shows that it is low or this shows that it's high, and bring it to their attention so that you can start to get the help that you need. Because if you're struggling with not feeling well or being tired or not being optimized and not being able to lose weight, that there is a lot to do with the thyroid and other hormones and functions, digestion, things that are going on in your body. So these things are very, very important. So go to that, check out all the lab tests that are there. I absolutely love what these companies are doing. And trust me, they're legit. There is no sideways stuff going on. So go to that page, click on the links, get yourself into some good lab testing I can't tell you how important that is. All right, off of my high horse there. Uh, so today on the show, I have Jeff Black. He is what I consider to be one of the best uh, fitness and health coaches out there, among other gentlemen that I really look up to and other females. But um, Jeff has a lot of information, and he is actually got brittle bone disease, so uh when he was young and they put him in the physical therapy office to, to help him with his condition and they started teaching him strength training, he was hooked. So he's been into it for a really long time. He knows a lot and he is a huge nerd when it comes to health, fitness, weight loss, hormones, heart rate variability, you name it. So you're really going to enjoy this episode with Jeff. I know that I definitely did, and I will put all the links to reach him in the show notes as well, because you guys, if you don't listen to his podcast, The Excellence Cartel, him and three other people whom I really look up to uh, run that podcast, and there's a ton of excellent information in there, so I highly recommend it. Anyway, before I blabber on too much more, here is my episode with Jeff Black. All right, Jeff, I'm so excited to have you here on the show. How are you? Man, I am good. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, you guys, um, I mean, we all are, you're involved with a lot of really great coaches and a lot of great people, and you guys have a ton of knowledge. If anybody doesn't know, you've got your own podcast, The Excellence Cartel, which is one of my favorite, favorite contest prep uh, you know, they talk, you guys talk about everything, but it's one of my favorite as far as the bodybuilding uh, world goes. And that's because you guys are looking at everything uh, as far as a functional standpoint goes. This isn't just bro science. You're not just chicken and broccoli and, and ricing things. You're looking at all things, hormones, gut health, heart rate variability, which we're going to talk about today. And and, and diagnosing or treating or, you know, whatever as a whole, the whole body as a whole, it's not just about dieting. It's about figuring out what the root causes are of things and then getting people to their goals after solving the things that are at the bottom of the list that most people don't pay attention to. A hundred percent. Thank you for that. That was so, I don't know what to say. That's humbling. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's one of those deals where, you know, 
with the excellence cartel and the coaching that we're doing it's terms of the functional which vince was real big into bringing into the uh fitness industry at which point he introduced jason and then jason subsequently introduced it down i've been fortunate to have him as a great friend but you know when you hear the word diagnose and you hear the word treat it makes me think that people go oh well these are people trying to pretend to be doctors and i'm like no man but Here's the deal. I've been coaching people for 16 years. And what got me into it was helping a woman, you know, look, she wanted to look sexy in 90 days on her cruise. And it was nothing outrageous. She wanted to go from like a size 12, 14 to size eight. And I was like, oh, we could do this. It was like her 10 year wedding, wedding anniversary. She came running and picked me up and I'm not a little dude. And was like swinging around. She had her goal. And after that, I was hooked. I was working for the department of Homeland security, but a few years ago, so I could tie this point up. I started getting a lot of women who were crying to me and like, you know, very upset men too, who were like, I'm doing all the things. I promise you, I'm not lying. I'm not hanging in my closet with a bag of McDonald's and Haagen-Dazs. I'm really trying to do this, but nothing's happening. And then it led me down the journey of, okay, I had a choice as an individual with my character and my professionalism as coach. Do I either listen to these women and go looking for answers and grow personally and professionally, or do I just think they're full of shit like most coaches do in the industry and just be like, oh, well, they don't have the discipline or they don't have this or they're X, Y, Z. And that shows, hey, and, you know, when you get down that road, you have more and more people now who are saying that doctors are not listening to them, which the oneness then becomes, you know, OK, well, if I know the information, I'm going to help the person out. It just is what it is. To me, I'm a big history buff and I relate it to like if that would have been all the answers on God and enlightenment in the medieval times then I shudder to think we were where we would be if Luther didn't do what he do on a church's door. You know what I mean? Kind of like sometimes you got to stand out there and be willing to take your hits. And I think if anyone who listens, follows us, who follows you, who follows all the other coaches that you name, none of us are pretending to be anything. We just care enough to help other people. And the world, I look at it, has this like a picture that's a little slightly crooked. And I'm just here trying to make it a little bit straighter before I go. That's just how it is. I love the way you worded all of that, Jeff. And here's the thing. We're not diagnosing or treating anything per se, but if we can bring attention to a problem so that person can take it to their doctor, then we just did something huge because now Western medicine is it's pharmacology. They're, they're looking at a symptom and they're treating it with a drug they're not checking oftentimes what they should be and they don't have time. They straight up don't have time for you. And I hate to say that, but it's in and out and, and go. And it's not for the fact that they don't care, right? It's just the way the system is and it's broken. So if we can catch something and be like, red flag, take this to your doctor, we are doing a great thing for people. I agree 100%. I, over on my Relentless team, we call it diagnose and adios. Um, because that's what it is. And I actually had a call with a client yesterday. She has no thyroid and her numbers, you know, she has to fight all the time with her endocrinologist to get her numbers where they need to be. And she's like, I feel awful. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's terrible. You have to fight with a doctor about your own health and wellness. Isn't it like, you know, and, and I stand on a weird line with that because, you know, I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta, brittle bone disease. And, um, when I was 12, I was really short. My mom was very like vain and concerned about this. So she had me get on human growth hormone. She'd been reading about it because my mom was an avid reader. It's where I got it from. 
And she took me to this endocrinologist. He agreed because I was short to give me human growth hormone. However, you know, in 1992, when I was on it, it was protropin. So it was a 192 amino acid analog where the real one's like 191. And I remember um, we noticed my bones stop breaking because up until that point, I was incurring all these little setbacks in physical therapy. First step I took after surgery, leg breaks, coming out of a from physical therapy, leg breaks, you know, like weird, like things like that, walking through them all, leg breaks. Um, so after that, they stopped breaking. And then I was off of it for a few months, broke my leg playing basketball, put back on it. So in my 20s, I could no longer source where I needed it to, went to a doctor and they wouldn't give me it. And I had this like long history of it, right? Wouldn't give it to me for my bone disease. But instead he runs the, you know, the, um, I had a CAT scan done for a bone scan. He goes, and I go to leave and he goes, oh no, no, I can't let you leave like that. Your, your joints are like that of like a 70, 80 year old. I'm like, yeah, it's because of my bone disease. He's like, well, let me give you something. He gives me 240 Percocets. He gives me a prescription for 30 Valium so I could sleep at night and 30 Oxys for when I really need them. And I just remember just kind of being like chuckling to myself as I'm getting in my car, just being like, you know, going away with my, you know, my girlfriend at the time and just being like, oh, this is just a sad day, you know? So I always tell everybody, you will have your own health, just like you have your own right to, you know, religion, your own right to anything, you know, that's what makes our country great. And slowly our world is going that way, which is, go- is great too. But there comes a certain responsibility that you must have for your own health. And sometimes that means like, I tell everybody like, what, what, why would you keep that doctor if you don't like them or you don't agree with them? Like, that's like, keeping um, me as a coach when you hate my guts or, you know, like go into the same Publix up the street from me and seeing the same asshole cashier checking you out over and over and still subject, subjecting, uh, subjecting yourself to going. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's a very, very fine line, but I think in the next 10 years, there's going to be a shift in that. They just don't have time. They have to run a business. They got too much debt and, and I actually feel for them. So yeah, but that, it's definitely upside down right now. It's definitely upside down. And I totally agree. And, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about that. Like the, the problem is, and like, I did a post on Instagram about this the other day. I mean, there are people going to weight loss clinics now, right. And they're not looking at what could be causing the struggle with obesity, or if there's an underlying issue, they're putting people on 800 calorie diets and two gallons of water a day. So we're flushing out all of our, our electrolytes and stuff, right in a huge caloric deficit, who knows what other health problems that's causing metabolic dysfunction for sure. Thyroid downregulation, hunger signaling is all over the place. Right. And so I was really pissed about it. Cause I had, I did a consult that morning. So I do this Instagram live and next thing, you know, me and these other girls that do this clubhouse with, for functional fat loss, one of the ladies that comes up into the forum and has a question to ask same exact thing. And it's happening over and over again. These doctors are just like caloric deficit, lots of water. Who cares what the underlying condition is? Who cares, you know, about anything else? It's all about the calories in calories out. And that's just another prime example that things are broken. A hundred percent. A lot of those doctors though, when you, uh, I just finished this book, Endure, which we were talking about offline by Alex Hutchison. So he like went real deep in the weeds on like um, what it takes to break certain feats in terms of running. Like basically 
doing a um i want to say it's full marathon in under two hours is like what they're trying to like work towards and he was talking about like the propensity to pain your ability to suffer heat um hydration all these things they they always talk about in the book there was multiple instances he talks about fasting a lot of doctors with those weight loss clinics refer back to studies like the minnesota starvation study and all these and they go well hey you know you're about a good 200 pounds overweight so here's this answer and rather than teaching because there's no, no sustainability they're just giving them a band-aid fix and that's where they've got to change and you're right it's very very frustrating because they just continue doctors will pound that into their heads so when you get a client who's 175 pounds and needs to lose like 30 pounds, 40. She thinks that she needs to eat 800, 600, 500 calories, whatever arbitrary number it is, and just do so much cardio. And I'm like, oh, you poor thing. But thank God for lab work. You know, thank God for blood work. Thank God for better understanding. And some doctors just kind of starting to stand away from that and being like, I'm not, I'm not in that anymore because you're really able to help clients now, those who are open to it. And, you know, I think if anything in today's world, you know, COVID exposed the brokenness of our gross domestic product of our, you know, healthcare is one sixth of it. So healthcare was already broken before COVID. COVID just really just shattered it. And now, you know, people who are obese are joking on social media. Oh, look at me. I get a reward. I get this vaccine first. And I'm like, it's terrible of us that no one will stand out there in the last 12 months of COVID and say, hey, guys, maybe start working out, eating better. Uh, here's some supplements you could take, walks, like actual educating people. The answer is always reactionary. And that's why I think has a whole leadership, you know, which is a whole nother conversation, I'm sure, in our country is just, it, it's reactionary. It's not proactive. They don't do a damn proactive thing. And that just, it's why we are where we are and why so many people are lost and why the coaching industry is booming. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to just reverse just a little bit to one more thing before we get into our topic. <laughs> we could probably talk for hours on all sorts of things in this area. Oh, but, yeah. um, you know, you talked about these coaches that, you know, put people in huge caloric deficits and they're just on the chicken and rice diet and the extreme cardio and and all of these things. And, you know, I've, I've been in the nutrition rabbit hole for quite some time now, but the real kicker as to why I wanted to become a good coach was because my very last contest prep, it was like you said, you, you, these people were like, I swear I'm not in the closet eating cheeseburgers. That was me. I did things 150%. That's how I am. And I couldn't lose the fat. My last contest prep and my, my deficit kept going more. My coach kept saying, well, let's do some fat burners. Let's add this. Let's add that. And then basically treated me like I was eating in the closet, whole packages of Oreos <laughs> or something when that wasn't the case. And I knew there was something wrong, but there's this point when you hire a coach where, and things get real super competitive that you start shutting off your own brain and trying to tune into somebody else. So the red flags were there. I knew what was happening, what was wrong, was wrong, but I was like so determined to reach a certain goal that I didn't listen to it. And so as a coach myself, that's what really got me serious about making sure I'm listening to my client, making sure that I'm doing the appropriate lab work with them, suggesting whatever it may be. And then also not ever being like, oh, you must be cheating on your diet. <laughs> because mm. the thing is, is there are lots of people out there that are struggling and may not know what's going on underneath of the hood. 
Yeah, you know, but you said a really good point when you listen to your clients. And that's what where you stand on like almost the dichotomy of this. You have to listen to what your clients wants, their desires. But then on the other spectrum is you as a coach, what you stand for, your character. Desires and character very rarely ever intersect for what I'm noticing along this journey of 40 years of life. Usually it's like, I really want this, but there's a lot of compromise over here on my character side for what I really want. So as a coach, I just always try to tell people who like hired me for preps or anything I've got to do in between. Hey, this is how this is going to go. Here's how the queuing is going to work. And I tell people who do prep, you know, hey, I'm going to shove you and grind you into the ground until you either say, hey, I don't want to do it or not, because that's your goal. But at the same time, you have to stand back abstractly as a coach and be able to go, okay, I've been beating this person absolutely into the ground for eight weeks of misery and nothing's happening. They're not going to make this show. They're not going to look good. So what does my brand stand for when I put them up on stage? So it's a dichotomy, but I think the industry is getting smarter. And I hope in the next five years, it gets a lot better than what we're seeing, because I think that that's why you saw a lot of women probably maybe late to what figure came on around what late 2008, maybe early 2000, somewhere there, there in Stern. She was a beautiful woman. Oh, crush on her. But anyway, um, Aaron, if you're listening, I love you. But um you know, you started seeing women who would do like three, four, five shows a year, get two, three years, and then you would never see or hear from them again. And it's starting to stop a little bit. You're seeing girls hit the brakes. It's becoming more and more uh, openly talked about, and the girls aren't getting shunned for discussing it from other teams and X, Y, Z. So, you know, and coaches like yourself and Sonia, who you've talked about, and Sarah, Every one of y'all is doing a great job of keeping that out there and keeping that in the forefront because that's just going to be how it wins overall and what really needs to happen for people to get where they want to is honesty and transparency of everyone's journeys. Somewhere in the middle will be yours. <laughs> I love all of that. So, you know, getting into this, obviously you're a coach that pays attention to everything. So today we're going to talk a little bit about heart rate variability, because I think that's a really important tool that people should be implementing into their training programs, because especially as athletes, I know myself, I can definitely speak for myself here, uh, and probably a lot of other type A people, uh, <laughs> that you have a really hard time scaling it back. So <laughs> you'll wake up one morning and you totally feel like shit, but you're like, ah, am I just being a Sally? Am I just being lazy? You know, and, and you can't draw the line between actually needing rest or actually taking a rest day and, or going out and training really hard. So maybe your body's screaming. It's saying no breaks. I need a day. And you're just like, shut up body. And you go kick ass that day. But Heart rate variability is a way to really start nailing that down and seeing, do you really need a rest day? Do you need more recovery? Are you overtraining? So you and I are going to talk about that today. Oh, I am totally down. Where do you want to start? The rabbit holes mighty deep. <laughs> I have a feeling, yes. <laughs> I don't know where this is going to go. but um, So first of all, let's start with the basics. What is heart rate variability? Why is it important? Oh, man. So this is where it's like magical to me. Heart rate variability is every heartbeat people for a long time thought was like a tick, 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 very subtle, steady beat. 
there's actually not the case. That's not the case at all. There are these subtle nuances between the heartbeat known as RR intervals. So um, think of this as coding. So if your heart is the computer, these heartbeats are code to your nervous system. So basically it's telling your nervous system, fight or flight, you know, rest and digest. So depending upon how this is going, you're able to understand, hey, are you more in a stress state or are you more in a rest and digest state? This gives you a total ability to understand, you know, just your body's ability to handle stress. And, you know, usually when I get people to use this, everyone who tries the heart rate variability, whether I happen to whoop or which we could talk about the different ones that I've played with, um, they're all like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not that stressed, you know, usual stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then they do it and then they're like, oh, shit, Jeff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's why you haven't really had the results you've had. And, you know, in all honesty, heart rate variability is a huge longevity marker. You know, nine out of 10 uh, um, heart issues, like from heart attack to arrhythmias to all these other things are associated with the constantly low HRV they're starting to show. And I think it's going to be the biggest thing in the next five years. It's steadily been growing, but I think as the tech starts getting better and better, that this goes huge and i think it'll be a great variable for people to really understand when they need to hit the gas and when they need to hit the brakes and i know since i started using hrv i feel so much better like i i actually did a post about which i'll put out next week how i feel at 40 i can't begin to tell you how much better i feel and i'm like sitting there like oh my god i just beat the living hell out of myself before i started doing all this uh, how many years did I shave off? You know, like, do I want to get the telomere test to see how long I've got, you know, and everything else. So it, it's really cool. Oh my gosh. It is so funny that you just said that. Cause as you're thinking this, I'm like, yeah, I definitely have fucked up <laughs> like, like with all my training and how hard I pushed. And then I was just going to say, I'm scared to get my telomeres tested because I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be bad. I know it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what I think blew me away more about HRV, though, were two things was one really how clear breath work mattered for my HRV and with everyone I've worked with and two, food. Like eating like so um, you there's a elite HRV, they have like a finger monitor. Um, and what you could do if you want to know if you have possibly a food sensitivity so I did that Everly Well food sensitivity test and I, I haven't posted my results yet because I don't know if like I, literally what was on there, I actually was like, oh, yep, I have an issue with this. It's the only one that kind of surprised me was chicken, but I only have mild allergic reactions to 20 foods. So I'm going to buy the HRV thing, but I've tried this before with other clients. Um, if you have the elite HRV finger scanner and you eat a meal and you check your uh, HRV 30 minutes, an hour later and your HRV plummets. There's more than likely inflammatory response with one of the foods. So you can start playing with it that way. Um, but the food, the micronutrients, how much that mattered, some of these things in HRV, I was just like really taken aback uh, back on. And it really focused me to really think about what I knew about perhaps performance and what I could really do to get better and, you know, ultimately coach better from it. So I find that really interesting, Jeff, because the thing is that I've always heard when you have a food sensitivity, you have, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this too, but that your pulse will raise and your pulse mm -hmm. will elevate. And so I find that interesting that HRV, I mean, it makes only makes sense, but I never really thought about it that way. And then also, since you talked about the Everly Well, I, I have always 
been on the fence about that one. So I have, I mean, cause you have people like I had a client the other day saying, Oh, I did the hair follicle test. And I was like, eh. yeah. I mean, we could technically be sensitive to things or is it just your digestion? So I kind of have like this multi look approach on some of those because I'm like, is it real? Is it not like how you, so what's your take on that? I don't know. That was the only one that I've used from them. So, and, and like I said, it was on the money. I knew garlic or not garlic. I knew onion. I knew, um, eggs. I knew, um, brown rice. Like there were certain ones I just knew that, that just were red flags for me going into it. Um, I don't know if I would actually do it because I'm so big on low FODMAP dieting anyway. And the slow reintroduction of foods that, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that people want to do it for shits and giggles. Great. But as I've talked to Dr. Sean Golden, who we had on our podcast a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we had him on for thyroid. Um, usually when you have those tests done, if your gut health is really good, then you're not going to have many sensitivities anyway. So if basically someone brought you that test and it was full of shit, then you would know, okay, well, I got a lot of gut issues that I need to work on right now and start going that route but i don't know if it's if it's a benefit for 300 i'd rather have someone spend the money on blood work or a cortisol test or something yeah yeah this really has an actual value to me that i could give to you right and that was where you know i'm glad you said all of that because that's kind of always been my take as far as some of that stuff goes i, I would rather have somebody take a stool test and see what's going on with their microbiome than uh than check that one i guess i don't know <laughs> true but so. if you also um steve cabral cabral c-a-b-r-a-l um he wrote the rain barrel effect he has a certification if you go on this if there are two levels to it but the second one you get access to like hair tests that you can have with clients stool tests i think food sensitivities all these different ones so i'm interested to kind of almost do that certification Cause I would want to know, like, are these tests actually any different than what Everlywell has? Cause you got all these different laboratories. So like, it's always a mind screw in this. Oh, and then that's the other thing is education, right? You want to do every single course at one time and like know all these things. And, and, and I know I made the mistake of when I first got, got into this of taking like 500 courses at a time and my poor brain, I felt like it was alphabet soup. Somebody just dumped some shit in there and stirred it up <laughs> so 100%. I've, I've learned to kind of back off a little bit and uh, go slow but that's awesome to hear about that so so back to the, the heart rate variability though so it's got a direct relationship with food and nutrition um why do you think that is do you have you formulated a theory on that so in a lot of the literature I've read in the course that I took on it, which elitehrv.com is where you get the certification. They're the number one right now in the space doing it. Um, micronutrients, you've got to think of them as like the foundation to your house, right? So you don't build a million dollar house on $10,000 foundation. And micronutrients are so vital for so many cellular processes that we just miss that. So I will be one of those people when I have clients, cause you know, you, you overwhelm them to some degree in the beginning of all this, right? Because it's a lot, but you're trying to teach them. And it's like, I try to tell everybody, I'm a big analogy of football or money. I'm like, you know, it's very frustrating watching your 401k every day. You know, it will be very frustrating watching your health and fitness every day, but you know what happens over five years, you get wealth. You know what happens over five years, you get healthy. So it's just a matter of kind of like same shit every day kind of scenario. 
But um, when it comes to the micronutrients and working with clients, I usually just recommend a really good greens product to kind of cover it. Maybe a multivitamin, depending upon like, I know, like if you can observe that they sweat a lot or, you know, if they have other issues, maybe they're like, um, if they're really obese, they usually just do really well with just one serving of gourmet greens because they're burning up a lot and it's a lot to detoxify. But um, I don't really get into the nuances of micronutrients too hardcore with people early on. But when I think when you get to the advanced level, it's something you should definitely look at, like your magnesium um, and things like that. I know PQQ, the, um, there's a ubiquinol in PQQ. Uh, PQQ has actually been shown in some studies to improve heart rate variability as well. Hmm. I, that's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. I'm glad you mentioned micronutrients because, you know, so many people are focused on the macros that they're not getting the micros. And I kind of talked about that yesterday uh, in our Q and a, like not all proteins are created to be equal. Mm-hmm. Not all fats are created equal and not all carbs are created equal. You can't log them in my fitness pal or whatever app you use and be like, boom, I got my protein for the day and boom, I got my fat or my carbs because the quality of the, the macros is what really matters and what micronutrients you're getting with those macronutrients. A hundred percent. And you know, that's just where as a coach, if you're going to employ uh, heart rate variability into a protocol with a client, you have to really ask yourself, is this a beginner? Is this an intermediate? If this is advanced and you have to share the basic information accordingly. You know, you just can't craft them this typical boring message and be like, here you go, here's all this information. They're not going to do it if they're the beginner people. You have to explain, you know, the found, you know, the, the micronutrients or the foundation. And this is how we cover the foundation for something very simple, a greens drink of some sort. And then if you have other athletes, you know, like your competitors, you double down on the magnesium. You really look at the salt. You really look at all these different things, potassium, um, calcium. Um, I could go on a list, you know, vitamin K2 and D3 and then, but ultimately it depends upon where the person's levels at, but micronutrients in the HRV literature is a big one. That's really, really interesting. Um, so what's another thing that affects it that we may not realize? Well, like I said, you have the breath. Um, I think in all honesty, people be really shocked at their emotional turmoil and stress that they're subjugated to every day. Um, you know, because you don't realize, like, you don't think you're bothered, but shit, you're bothered, you know, or the days you're really bothered where people are like anxious, you can see it. Like, so I use whoop because whoop to me is very easy for majority of people to understand green, yellow, red, um, which we could get into the nuances of that because I've been playing with it for a year and a half and I get a lot of messages. So I'll probably, I could address those questions today about the training side. But um, when it comes to stress, the emotional turmoil, sleep, um, and then a really big one's meditation. And that affects it huge. The ability to sit still, the ability to just go be mindful. Um, Yoga enhances it really well. And then I think what would stun most people, if I had to say anything for HRV would be psychedelics and their profound, awesome, uh, which I have the data on, which I presented on PEC. Every time I microdose LSD or mushrooms, my, my HRV is up 20 points the next day on average consistently. So that is awesome. And I've actually started looking into that stuff a little bit. I really don't know nearly what I want to know, but, uh, but, um, 
Yeah, I that's definitely the next avenue I want to get into. Maybe we need to do another podcast on that sometime. <laughs> I'm all for it, but um, there's a really good book called Stealing Fire uh, by Stephen Kotler. It was written in 2017. I read it in 2017. Um, and in that book, he talked about microdosing psychedelics, and that was what Silicon Valley was doing. And it also a measure of it that they were talking about was heart rate variability. But he never really elaborated what in-depth heart rate variability was other than the ability's body's ability to recover. And then I was like, well, you know, this keeps pop-. And I started reading other things, other books, just because the way I tend to read, I tend to read five things in a row on the same subject. Um, and if you go into Steve Kotler, who's the pretty much the big daddy of everybody right now in flow research, uh, you actually have more propensity to learn and retain if you read things of items of five in a row. And I was naturally, oddly enough, doing it. But I can say that, like, when I read about thyroid, I read, I think it was seven or eight in a row. And then I went back and I want to say I reread them all again, like three months later. And I'm able to hold on to adrenal and thyroids above all else in my, in my knowledge uh, without as much reference. So it's real interesting. And, you know, I know you read actual book books, like the physical yeah. version of books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, you have a tendency to retain that stuff much better when you're physically reading through it. Um, and, and I know for a time there, I was listening to audiobooks and I felt like I wasn't retaining stuff as much as I would if I read a book book. I agree. So, but I think the setup for reading is important. I think people miss this. So I read because one, I'm a type five in Enneagram and I just love, I'm the constant investigator. So I just have to know. Um, and then just by who I am, like my five strengths with Gallup's, one of mine's intellection, another one's context and another one's input. And these are all strategic things. So it's it just my ability to want to constantly be a student. I enjoy, but my flow I access flow when I'm reading. So what I mean by that is I have the same damn routine every day. I get up, I'm in my kitchen by 331 because I get up at 330. I turn the hot water on. Um, I go back to the and get my um, usually L-carnitine ready and all that. Get in the garage by 350, have my heater on, and then I'm usually locked, ready to go. And I could just click away and read. I think too many people, when they try to read, they're like, oh, I have nothing to do on board. I'll just read or this or that. And they're not set. It, their mind's going to be too distracted. Like I understand every morning that this is my quiet time. And the only thing I've got to do is sit here and pedal on my bike for 45 minutes, get a good sweat, enjoy my coffee and read. And I think that that is why I'm probably able to retain more, but I agree with you. I think it's the setup and a book and just being locked in and knowing there's nothing else that I have to do. Yeah. And you said, mentioned reaching your flow state there. And that's the truth. Like I encourage like one of the goals that I put into a lot of my clients, especially the super busy ones things is to like, they have a bedtime ritual. And one of them is to read, even if it's 15 or 20 minutes to kind of set them up to go to sleep so that their mind's not racing all over the place. Correct. So 100%. I think that's another way to meditate really. It is. And I'll be honest with you, like I microdosed LSD this morning and about halfway through my cardio, I was like, just like locked in on this (laughs) book. And then like, I've just been locked in all day, but you know, um, I think what we're starting to see with science and especially in these last five years, is just an explosion of knowledge, more people sharing, more people getting out there, more people writing about all these fringe things. Like, you know, I mean, 
a few years ago, I would never have worn this whip strap on my, on my wrist. You know, I just would never have done it. And now that I've gotten older, I'm like, well, I really want to understand that variable and stress kills. So I, I think that the industry as a whole is moving so much in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad to see books when I, when I look back, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that they were talking about that back then because it opened my mind up. So if you're listening to this, read, it's a good thing. <laughs> I love it. And you know, it's funny you brought up stress and it kills. It literally does kill. Like we were talking mm -hmm. about me, my telomeres are probably real bad. I don't want to test them, but, uh, uh, when I was young, I worked on cattle ranches and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a farmer, hence the name of the dang podcast. But uh, I remember an old cowboy. I was super stressed out one day and I was, we were riding and we were rounding up cattle. And I remember being like this and that and this and that. And he was like, you know what, Connie? He's like, let me share a little secret with you. He said, when cattle are out here on this pasture, they're happy they don't need any hormones. They don't need this. They don't need that. He said, they're, they're just out there to live in their life and everything is perfect. And then he said, when they round them up and take them to the feedlot, they start to die because they're stressed. And he said, stress kills. And that's why all of a sudden they have to be on medications and they have to do this and they have all these special things because they're trying to keep these things that they just pulled out of their environment and made them extremely stressed alive so that people can eat them. Oh, wow. That puts things in perspective, you know, but we also got to remember like not all stress is bad, you know, and, and, and that's like the fine line of where HRV comes in. You know, you have a lot of people, especially women are notorious for this. A lot of cardio, a lot of training, not enough feeding, therefore the micronutrient part's done, and they just, you know, terrible stuff, but, you know, and you can work on, but women usually move quicker in the HRV recovery scale from what I've seen than men do, um, and I have no clue why that is, but if you're a coach and you're tracking women with HRV stuff, you'll see as they go, like, some of my clients, as they go in their period week, they, like, their HRV starts going up, and like, it's like they get more like, and you know, the hormone shifts going on. And then on the other side of the period, it starts going down <laughs> and then it's all, it's like this flow and it almost, I haven't pulled enough, but it just popped in my head. I'm now I'm sitting here thinking like, I wonder if there's any correlation between how that runs and what their hormones are actually showing on their lab work. So now I'm gonna have to think about that one <laughs> if I could get them to pull it. But HRV is just so cool. Um, what would you like to talk about next? Cause I'm like, Ooh, I could go anywhere. I'm foaming at the mouth. So the first thing that clients ask me when I ask them, how have they watched their HR, their heart rate variability is well, where should it be? Oh man. It, so here's the thing by not one of these people from like aura to whoop to elite, there's no real number that I have stumbled on. And I think that's probably safe to say um, every one of them scores you differently. I think how I approach HRV with my clients is the following one. I heard it on a, I want to say it was one of the elite HRV podcast or perhaps even read it, but I've heard it a few times is you want your HRV to be above your age. So that's usually a good little marker. And then the other thing I try to do is I'm just trying to get my clients to improve their overall recovery percentage and total HRV over time. So focusing there. So like, for example, when I first got my whoop, my HRV was 22. Like it was awful. My sleep was terrible. 
Um, I knew that I've always been a terrible sleeper. Um, and now 18 months later, my HRV on average is like 55 and I've added my deep sleep went from 15 minutes or so to 50 minutes to an hour and 10. And then my ream on average is about an hour and 15 and that improved from 30 minutes. Um, but really, you know, I always tell everybody it's a matter of where you're at now and what improvements you're making. Cause you're trying to balance the stress thing. So if you're getting more green recoveries, if your HRV is climbing, if your resting heart rates going down, which is a sign of recovery being good. If your respiratory rates going down, if you're using aura and your body temperature is staying at a, you know, is not raising up, you know, which is a sign of overtraining and you're improving then you're going to be going towards the results you want, which I believe is ultimately the health and fitness. I still think the tech for a lot of this stuff is decent, but I think we've, I think we're just on the tip of it. I think in five years, what we will see will blow this away. Right. And it, you know, it's crazy when you start monitoring all this stuff, you really get thinking about what you did the days before too, or what you, you know, it, it like, I know, before I quit my day job, I was very stressed out human being. <laughs> uh, my day job was extremely stressful. And then I was coming home and I was coaching too. Right. So oh. uh, I, I was basically working like 80 hours a week at it. And then I was working a job I was miserable at. And I know my HR and then training way too much to add to all of that stress. And my heart rate variability was like 10 some days. And oh, yeah. I remember starting to see it going, holy crap, that's not good. And then when I quit my job, my heart rate variability doubled. It got so much better. And I didn't realize how much stress was actually on myself until I didn't have it, you know? And, and same thing with like supplements and things like that. I mean, this might sound crazy, but there's a supplement that I take. If I don't take it, my heart rate variability is depressed by 15 to 20 points. What supplement is it? It's called Perfect Amino. Hmm. I wonder what's in it to cause that. It's a per. I, it's a Perfect Amino Acid complex, and like I swear that it just maybe I'm not soaking up some of the stuff I need from my normal food I'm eating. I'm not sure. I hmm. when I take it, I recover better, and that was the thing is I, it's not in my head. It's not a placebo effect because when I don't take the shit. It, it like, it takes about five days. It'll drop. Like, so, um, this is when I discovered it as I was taking the stuff, uh, and then I ran out and then I didn't get to ordering it. You know how that is. And I was off of it for a solid month. And then I couldn't, I was like watching my heart rate variability every day. I got it back. I started taking it and all of a sudden my heart rate variability goes up by like 20 points. And I was like, what did I do? What happened here? you know, and it was consistently that way. And I, my husband goes, you know, you started taking perfect amino again. And I was like, Oh, so then I ran an experiment, went off of it, start, you know, wait, it took a couple of days. My heart rate variability went, started to consistently go down. So I think then this is just my theory and it's completely anecdotal, but I think possibly it's helping my recovery enough to where my heart rate variability isn't plummeting. Yeah, potentially. Well, I could tell you though, there's a few, like if I don't do my nighttime supplement routine, which is a bunch of different shit, mm -hmm. that my heart rate variability, my chances to be higher are not there. So mm -hmm. there's some truth to what you're saying. I think it depends. Everyone's different. Um, I had some clients that I've actually pulled supplements out hmm. um, because it was depressing their heart variability. What I mean by that is um, they were taking like too many nighttime cortisol suppressing supplements 
that almost like their body would just spike out of nowhere in the middle of the night and they were just getting worse sleep and all these different things. I started yanking supplements out at nighttime to the point they were just doing breath work, light reading and blue light blockers. And that's all they needed to do. The supplements were worse for them. It's so hard. That's impressive mm-hmm. to hear that you're doing that because it's so hard when things start happening to figure out pinpoint what it might be. So, you know, if, if you go back and forth with a client enough, they, you can usually pinpoint where it is and then you can, or at least help you start digging into the ground to go, okay, well, we'll start digging here and, and pull. I now that's the first thing I will do with clients. If they, if their sleep patterns get disrupted for no reason. And I know that that should not be the case, like X, Y, Z, like, you know, they're hitting the macros and I'm seeing the shifts and all that. Then I will start pulling out their supplements at nighttime to see if they'll sleep better or start cutting them back. Like me, I can't take melatonin. Melatonin wakes me right up at 1am. I will wake up after five hours of sleep. Cause I go to bed about seven 38. I will wake up at one, one 30. I cannot go back to sleep. And I'm like charged, ready to go. My whoop will say I'm like green. And I'm like, all right. Like in my deep sleep was like 30 minutes, but I feel like I've like the most recovered human ever. And I could go be the Terminator. It's terrible. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is it the higher the number, the better? Because that's the other thing. Can it go the opposite direction if it gets too high? Like what? Yeah. Then you're getting too much parasympathetic and then you're just not engaging fight or flight. You're just a depressed, sad little panda. And pandas are sad. Like if you look at them, you ever seen a sad panda? They're just like so pitiful. You're like, oh, but you know, you see that. And sometimes you'll see that. I've noticed that with a few of my runners. As they started going deeper into the races, like into their marathon preps, one was an ultra marathoner and his heart rate variability went from like 90 something. And then we did like, I think it was like a 35 miler. And in the course of the last eight weeks, his heart rate variability went from like 90s to 190s. Like I, and we were watching it climb and his recovery would still be like yellow and things like that. Like you, you were still seeing his body entertaining stress. So that's why I tell everybody like, Hey, by and large, yeah, you want that number greater than your heart, you know, your age, but with the way that they do this tracking, I, that's where I kind of sit on the back end and kind of go, look, here's how I use heart rate variability. I use it from the understanding of giving people an idea of how to improve stress in their life. That's a number you can look at. You want that number to get better. If that number starts flying off the chart all the time, you know, then either the person's the most chilled person and doesn't smoke dope and is like a natural pot plant, or there's too much training going on. They could be so overtrained that there's just no fight or flight response. Um, and you will see that. I want to say his blood glucose numbers fasted every day were like low 60s. And then like he did his blood work and his cortisol was like seven, which, you know, you know, there were a lot of that would make sense. He had a lot of hypo symptoms, even though he was lean and on his blood work, um, his thyroid for T3 was 3.5, which is something known as he had symptoms of T3 pooling, which if you go to read up on, that's something I've been getting into, which is you'll see it on the blood work, the T3 is normal, but they'll still have hypo symptoms. Um, and that's usually because too much or too low cortisol, hyperadrenalism, hypoadrenalism can cause that effect. So I use HRV. In the broad sense, that's the reason I like whoop. It's easy for people to see when the days are to push it, when the days aren't there to push it, and kind of understand how most of all to lower stress. Absolutely. So we talked about a couple of things that were um, that can help you get your HRV up or back to where it should be or um, a baseline. 
what are some other things that you can do to improve it? Oh, wow. So I, first I want to touch on the how to improve your HRV, and then let's talk about training with it. Because I get a lot of people who ask me that question, and I've, I've kind of not figured it out, but maybe figured it out enough this might help some people to kind of understand. Um, oh, shoot. I just lost. What was your question? Oh, see, I'm on Was um, other ways you can improve it. Oh, so a big one, um, I think, for everybody to understand is their training. And what I mean by that is the total amount of output. And I think understanding like, okay, are these six, seven days a week workouts, two a days, plus this, plus that beneficial, um, that back, better managing that. Um, let's see, we talked about earlier on, I said there was meditation that you could do. Um, I use an app Headspace. I don't think that's a benefit in all honesty, unless people are doing it about 15 minutes or so minimum. I was trying 10 minutes and it just wasn't enough for me. 15 and 20 seemed more of a sweet spot. I've been using red light therapy. I have not noticed if that has helped my HRV at all. Um, you can use adaptogens will actually help HRV depending upon the doses. Nootropics, lion's mane was a big one that I've noticed will really maneuver my HRV. Um, but what, the other one that was like so weird that just slipped my head mind um, on improving HRV, what was it? Um, you can also, oh, to help get deep sleep, which that's actually a big one. We should probably talk about sleep. Um, Understanding your sleep ritual, like you have, like, you know, your bedtime routine, sleep hygiene, blue light blockers, lower cortisol, allow melatonin to come up. I have to sleep with an eye mask and earplugs, white noise, and a fan, um, and 65 degrees to have even, like, I've legitimately, that's what it took for me to get my deep sleep over 50 minutes consistently. Like if you ever, like when Jason comes stay the night with me for PEC, he's going to be frozen out. It's like 65 degrees a night. Like, sorry, bro. Um, but that was a big one. Another thing that I'll do is I'll take a hot shower an hour before bed. The heat and cooling contrast. So getting your body real hot will start raising your temperature. Your body will try to overcompensate and rapidly cool down. And you have to be cool to get into that deep sleep. But the deep sleep you can get, and the more of it will help with your HRV. Um working on your vagus nerve, like humming and different things like that. Um, and then what was that other one? It totally slipped my mind. It wasn't even drug related, which is terrible <laughs> to say or supplement wise, but it was like really stunning. Um, they had work for me. I'll probably think of it here in a minute, but I do want to jump into the training with it. So I'll get this question all the time. How should I train? For example, whoop, will be green, yellow, and red. And they'll be like, well, I, I woke up red, but I feel great. I'm like, well, cool, train, you know? Well, I woke up yellow and I don't feel good. Okay, well then, you know, train differently. So how I use this is if you use whoop or use aura, what if your HRV is at a baseline, so meaning, you know, consistently it's 40. If it's always around 40, I just train like I want to. And if it's like yellow, then I usually by my second exercise will make the decision if I'll, because I never, my first exercise is always very boring. That's just me waking my body up, starting to get everything ready to go. You know, I never really go all out. Exercise two is where I start understanding what my body's real capabilities are. So if my whoop has me as red and I don't feel red and on my second exercise, I push and it doesn't gas me, then I'll keep going. Um, 
I think, for example, with me, I haven't had a yellow, any a green day since my son's best friend committed suicide last Monday night, last Tuesday night. And then I end up buying a house. And so I've I literally, my mind is what is screwing my HRV up right now. It's not the emotional stress again. It's nothing to do with my training. I'm fully recovered. I'm not sore. I'm able to do that. And I think that people, this is where when you get too much data, it can be deadly. And I just try to simplify it for people. Like you're just trying to understand the stress. So if you feel good and how you feel doesn't correlate with that, with what your score is, just go ahead and have a good day. Don't let it interfere with your day. Don't read too much into that. Um, but if there's some things you feel like complete dog shit and it says you, you should feel like dog shit, then skip the day. You know what I mean? Like it ain't going to hurt you. It's going to do you more damage. And I think that that's what people got to understand. This is just a tool, no different than using your blood glucose numbers, no different than, you know, monitoring the logbook and everything else. It's a tool to understand like, okay, hey, I'm green. You know, I actually feel really good. All right, today's going to be a ball busting leg day. I'm doing some Ronnie Coleman shit. Or, you know, you might wake up another day and, and be a little yellow and then look at your calendar and it might be one of those days you go in there and superset and get a pump and you're done. And, and I think that that's where people need to look at. This is just a tool. This is something, if above all else, is to help you understand the stress variable in your life, which I argue emotional turmoil and mental torture upon yourself, you know, your own existence is far more damning to your HRV than what you put your bodies through. Um, where HRV, in my opinion, extremely benefits is mostly women, from what I can tell, especially gym pop. Um, with understanding training, like, oh yeah, you can really push it. Like, look, your heart rate's like 70 in between sets. Come on, let's get it going. And then you have your competitor women on the other side, like, hey, you're constantly running at a 770 beats a minute. Like we need to like pull that down. You know what I mean? And I think it's a great tool in that regard. But I think that with everything, it's just a measurable point and still a few years away from something awesome that blows all our minds. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's one thing that I kind of noticed too, is that, um, you know, for my clients that don't track their HRV, I say this, if you're not feeling like the gym is a thing for you today, maybe just go in. I put the compound movement of warm up, then the compound movement is always first. Um, I say, Hey, listen, go in, just do your compound movement. If you still feel like shit afterwards, then leave. Don't finish, you know? And that can go to be said for a lot of things as far as even adhering to a schedule for gen pop people or something like that is just go in. If you're not feeling it, get the compound movement in. You got some movement in for the day and then call it good. I agree with you 100%. 100%. And, you know, I understand that it's hard when you're talking to real competitive type A people because, you know, like I'll have. I talked to that woman yesterday. I know thyroid. She's like, I don't feel my workouts are hard enough. I'm like, well, I, and then that's a you issue. I don't know what to tell you, but I can tell your body ain't appreciative of it. And I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head hundred percent, but I did pop in my head. What the other thing for HRV was improvement walks in nature. Yeah, man. Actually, I, I, I don't know why I said my head because over in Jap over in Japan, they actually use it as a, therapy for mental health with depression and anxiety they'll be like hey go walk out in nature it's a certain word but yeah walks in nature you know it's uh, nature bathing yep i think it's what it is but there's like a certain word in japanese that Hmm. it is and i just never committed that to memory but nature walks is a real big one um i know when summertime hits my jeep top will be off and i'll be in a lake somewhere in a kayak so 
Yeah. You know, and that's like, some people are like, well, you have too much training stress. Uh, you know, there's a, a really well-known triathlete that suffered a major adrenal burned out burnout. And I'm friends with her and we talk and, uh, she's like, you, you overtrain, you train too much on the bike. And I'm like, listen, a lot of days it's, I'm not going high or hard. I'm outside in the sun and I'm cruising to music and I'm just chilling and sucking in all the fresh air. <laughs> like it's not a training stress. Yeah. And you got to understand like genetics is a big thing. Like I have had some women that I've worked with before and some men too, that you've done every single thing on paper, the blood work lines up X, Y, Z, there's nothing. And they still don't get any results. Well, why is that? You know? And I think that they're everyone's abilities and what people can and can't do just are defined by that. I, I know, for example, I can train a lot of volume, 20, 30 sets, and it doesn't really bother me. My whoop will show I'm fine, everything else, but I can't take my workout partners through that. You know what I mean? Like they can, they're half the volume. They're, they're just gone. And, you know, it makes you kind of wonder. I've always been that way, but heavy duty, heavy duty shit, like dog crap, absolutely destroyed me. Six weeks. I couldn't even get six weeks on any of the heavy, heavy duty stuff. So that progressive overload crowd that says that's the only way you could grow, I'm like, oh no, man. I, I think I've done pretty well over here in the volume crowd, you know. Um, and and I think that there's always it's a matter of finding what works for you. So, you know, HRV is a tool, you have genetic testing, which is a tool, which my 23 and me test said, hey, you're gonna be a shitty sleeper. And guess what? I am. So, you know, um, you know, there are just certain things there, and you have all these understanding genes and methylation. Well, just the tip of the iceberg, you know, mm -hmm. just the tip of the iceberg. And overall, though. Um, I'm really fascinated with what's coming our way. That's all I know. <laughs> we'll have to do it to be continued in like five years and see where, what, how things differ. I I'm guess. all for it, but I'm going to see where the psychedelic research actually is at the, <laughs> yeah. that point than anything else. Cause, um, they're coming out more and more with some neat stuff. Like, so my grandmother died an awful death from Alzheimer's and LSD microdosing has been shown to potentially reverse Alzheimer's, if not stop it, like pause it potentially even make it better so they're and they've been doing this study like microdose amounts with like 60 year old people so and safely so i mean we're just on the tip of the iceberg and um i actually think whoop put out not long ago something to do with microdosing and hrv i had been tagging him enough if you've been seeing my if i ever post hrv it was always with whoop and i pushed him off the screen like look man i'm dropping some shrooms <laughs> and yesterday today like you know and they it, and i i tagged everybody and no one's really big into it i think it's still a little bit of that shroud of darkness about it yeah but um i'm one of those people like hey it's been very very proven in the studies that psychedelics for example have a certain effect on you and i remember so you're talking to a guy i didn't smoke marijuana until i was 33 years old like i thought drug, i was very you know Christian Catholic raised kid, white collar, middle class, you know, just don't do that. And then I remember doing shrooms, you know, with, with my girlfriend at the time. And I remember for weeks, I felt so good. So at peace. So at everything, I did it like eight weeks out from a prep and my prep didn't suck until about like week three. And then I was out three out and I was like, Oh, but then I read all that stuff and started really getting into it. So it makes sense because what happens is like when I microdose, I'm not on my cell phone as much. 
I'm way more present. I'm way more engaging. And that would make sense. It lowers your stress because I'm not thinking about everything else. I'm not thinking about all the other 4,000 things running in the back of my head that get you up. So I'm real fascinated to see how HRV comes into it, especially the, you know, the emergence or the Renaissance, the third Renaissance of psychedelics is what it's currently going in. Hence the third wave as Paul Austin calls it. (laughs) That's awesome. I love all of that. Uh, So I guess let's talk about devices because I mean, even Apple watch, there's a heart rate variability on there and the algorithms on all these devices are far different from each other. So as far as devices go for heart rate variability, it sounds like you lean towards whoop as far as um, the one you would recommend, but what are some benefit pros and cons, I guess, of um, these different devices? So I think right off the gate, you have Garmin, you have Apple, you have Orin, you have whoop. And you have the Elite HRV. The Elite HRV one is on your finger. That one's probably, honestly, like if I'm going to say that that's the best data point, that's probably the best data point. Um, I think that just the stuff that they have on it is really great. Um, however, it does not is not conducive to what I want. And so what I mean by that is I wanted something that allowed me to see kind of like what was going on. And I love my iWatch. And I remember t- with my HRV when I first started getting into it. And it made no sense to me. Like, I didn't understand anything. I couldn't find anything on Google. Like, how the hell is it measuring this? How the hell is it getting this? How X, Y, Z? And it left me very frustrated. And then I got very frustrated because I'd be going through a day and it'd be like, oh, you burned 4,000 some odd calories. I'm like, the fuck I did? I sat at my desk all day. Like, you know what I mean? And my clients be like, look, Jeff, I burned 7,000 calories yesterday. I'm like, yeah, like how long? Yeah, immediately I'm thinking like shitty comments, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know. And so that is what ruled Apple out to me was just inability to properly track what I felt I was doing. So then I got to Aura and I got Aura and Whoop at the same time. Um, And I like Whoop better because it's more real time. So I could turn it on for the exercise I'm doing. I can watch my heart rate. I can look to see like how everything's going during the middle of the workout. It's just easier for my eyes to read the data. I understand easier or ring never really, I felt gave me accurate data. So what I mean is I still to this day, go to bed and wear an or ring and wear my whoop. And I can tell you my whoop correlates more to how I feel for the day than my or ring ever does. My or rings always like your deep sleep sucks. This sucks. That sucks. But they're so far suck that I'm just like, well, that's impossible. But I do like the fact that the aura ring can measure your temperature. So I, I like that factor. Um, it also has been, it parallels very closely data-wise to my whoop in terms of respiratory rate. So those two parallel, but when it comes to my deep and ream, aura never scores me anything and whoop tends to correlate better to how I feel, how I sleep, X, Y, Z. Um, so the biggest thing for me was a data point, And I felt that whoop was the superior one. I've gotten to understand Garmin because I train and work with runners and stuff like that who want to understand this HRV variable. And for them, um, they ignore whatever that says anyway. Um, but I do have a few, I, I don't know how they score it, but majority of them will overlook it and therefore I can't really say enough to get behind it but those are the big four you usually hear about mm-hmm. um awesome so yeah that's that's the other thing right is it's so hard to decide but honestly for the amount you get from whoop what is it it's like 30 bucks a month I think 
Yeah, I think mine is like like when I joined up was like fifteen, or they give you a discount if you do like more. Um, you know, like you have buy it. The more length of it you buy it, I get it. Sucks. Every business right now is going to subscription. Coaches are doing it. You know, oh, it's time for my subscription. You get a new workout every week, and everyone's going to subscription model. It's the way the industry is. Why? Because we're going to forget about two ninety nine a month or. $9.99 a month. And I feel like for the data points, yeah, Aura Ring is a one-time purchase. It's great. Whoop is a monthly purchase. But I can tell you that Whoop keeps upgrading. And overall, it's just easier for clients to understand and, and, and go from. And I feel like it correlates more than Aura. And you have some who are in the Aura camp. But to me, it's like Ford and Chevy. You either love Ford or you love Chevy. So. Right. Right. So let's talk about the best time to read that then, because, you know, from, from my understanding, when you first wake up in the morning is the number you should probably, that should probably set the standard for your day, as far as deciding what training is going to happen. What's your take on that? It sounds like you watch yours all day. Um, so, uh, I can tell you that if you go off the whoop, which goes back to my earlier point, you will sometimes be disheartened because it doesn't line up when you get to training. Your HRV is going to fluctuate all throughout the day. Um, so if you really wanted to have your hands on what's going on, then you would probably get the elite HRV device and do it. Now you can do it laying down. You can do it seated up, you know, seated, you do it standing. You'll get different readings every time you do it. Um, overall, I think that if it was me, I just get the one reading off of whoop and I just kind of base my day off of that. Like, so if, for example, I wake up and I'm like, eh, then I know that that's probably not a day that I should probably engage in too many emotional things. Like for me, my HRV correlates more with my mental and emotional state than it ever does my physical. And I don't know if other people are the same way, but I can tell you that days where I'm like low yellow, I'm more inclined to be a little bit more edgy with people, a little bit more inclined to be like a little bit more like, hey, what, you know, like a little bit more intense were days where I'm green and feel good i'm more like all right man let's go smoke some dope off the back of my patio and talk about aliens you know and <laughs> so like I, I can tell you my hrv correlates more with my mood than anything else but i think for everyone if they're if you're a high level competitive athlete then maybe using the elite one might be a benefit to you to measure it before your workout measure at different times maybe measure it after your workout see what's going on but i think the one time in the morning is fine I like that. And you know what? I really, like, you had me giggling right there because I was thinking, well, shit, I should tell my husband I'm green today. You can talk to me. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. But that's true, man. Like I can look back like days I'm red. If I'm red and by like, I, I start, it was very weird, but like if I'm red in my workout, like I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this ain't a good day. I legitimately will go home and put my phone up for two hours and just go in my room and just sit there and just talk to myself because I'm just like, okay, I have to do this. Like life doesn't stop, but I've known, like I can look back cause I journal every day and I'll write about some of that stuff. And I'm like, damn man, like days I felt like real shit. It was more of my mentally emotional state. I don't really ever get really drained physically. And I think that that's where HRV is neat because people get on different things. Like my recovery is always good physically. I don't have issues there. I progress. I feel good. My body feels the best it's ever felt. But when it comes to my emotional state and if I've had bad sleep the night before and not good sleep and everything lines up, I'm just like, you know, today's one of those days, like I have it written down. Um, silence is your best friend because you have to remember you have to live with what you say and so do they. 
And I've just learned as I've gotten older, especially after recent events in my life, you know, shit, professionally and personally, it's like, ah, just go ahead and just bow out and I'll talk to people today. So, and it, you know, it's so true because, I, you know, now that I don't work a day job and I'm self-employed, my, my husband just, he said, you're never going back to a day job ever. <laughs> he's like, he's like, never. And like people will ask him, they're like, are you okay that your wife owns her own business? And he's like, hell yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, Why wouldn't you be okay with it? I'd be like, like people are retarded. Like what do they think? You're going to sit in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. And like, I mean, shit, I live in Tennessee and that shit's even outdated. I, I think people think that I don't do anything all day, but it's kind of funny. I, I do what I love all day. That's that's the best part. Yeah, but you know what, though? Um, I and This makes me mad when people think that, oh, it must be nice. You have your own business and, and make your own schedule. I'm like, yeah, you don't have the fucking pressures and stress I do. Like, I've got to figure out, like, at all times, I'm on the line for X dollars with my gym everything else like i've got to go out there and find clients i've got to go out there and make content i don't get a day off i could take a vacation and guess what i'm still half the time in the back of my head like fuck what's going on Did i need to be doing something i need to be doing something it could all go away tomorrow it could all burn up holy shit and these are real stresses of entrepreneurs and coaches mm-hmm. i try to talk to all my coaches i work with on a consulting basis because i mentor coaches and growing their business i really talk to them about that like getting like this time away and like really boundaries in place because their mental health. We are now like, it, it's very, very blurred lines out there, man. More people, they don't believe in themselves. And mm-hmm. it's a heavy burden to have to carry people like that. But it always has made me mad when people make a comment about being my own boss. It's like, well, why don't, tell you what, I don't, I don't call you a, a little bitch because you put safety every day and go get your safe, go to your safe job and, and take orders from someone you hate and go home miserably. Like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I have, I can make my schedule. I'm happy when you see me, but I'm also working 70, 80, 80 hours. Right. You just don't see it. You don't you're, see what I'm doing at my desk, et cetera. 100% you're working all of the time. And I think that's the hard place to draw the line is like, when do I shut my phone off? Or when do I do this? Because, you know, people are sending messages all the time. Content creation's crazy. Uh, you know, or even emails or programs. I mean, I literally have programs that took me a year to build them because I thought them out and I like, maybe I'm slow. I don't know, but uh, you know, like there in, and the thing is, is like um, now more than ever, when I was working my day job and coaching and being a mom and all these things, I still had my, my time for training, right. For myself. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm self-employed. I thought in my head I was going to have time, more time to, to do that kind of stuff. It's worse. I'm like, shit, I got to get my long ride in on my bicycle today. When yeah. the hell is that going to happen? You know, so like I will say this. I've, I'm, I decided a few years ago when I went down this HRV psychedelic hole, they all talk about mastery of time. And I have become a student these last few years of mastery of time. And I can tell you that my calendar is conducive to me with the exception of like things like this, where it's, you know, it's beneficial. It helps all of us. I am very Nazi-ish about my schedule. And I think that that's the only way you survive. If you're, if you're a coach listening to this, if you're a person who's interested in getting coaching, hell, if you don't even, if you're just an entrepreneur, you got to have that balance there. Like Wednesdays, I get up at, you know, probably about, I sleep in usually about 4.30, woo, an extra hour. And I put my, once I get up, I put my music on, I put my phone in the drawer and I don't look at it again until I get out the door to go to my massage at 745, just to make sure she hasn't canceled. I do my chiropractic work. 
And then I put my phone back up and I write all the way to one o'clock. And then that's when I'll work. And then uh, Saturdays when 1 p.m. when noon hits, I'm done. And I don't look at my phone again at five. I actually deleted email off my phone. Oh, you're going to be stunned by that. that. I think people are blown away that I did it. And I'm like, no, fuck no, it's way easier. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not as accessible. Therefore, because what would happen is people would email me and sometimes I could easily click back. And then sometimes I'm like, shit, this is so hard to do on a phone. It would frustrate me and it would just leave me angered. And then what would happen is I'd be in a position where I needed to be present and I couldn't be because I'm like, oh God, this client needs this for me. And, and they, in my mind, it was the immediate thing to the client. They're like, hey, it's Sunday. Don't worry about it. But the problem was I looked at it and now I'm aware so I deleted off all my devices. And the only time I can access it is when it's actually in my calendar. And I have so much peace since doing it. And it is great. And now I know when a client actually texts me that they actually need something. So if you're a coach and you're listening to this, I manage about 110 clients steadily every month, plus a gym of over almost 800 members, plus 20 different people I manage on two different teams, plus the podcast. And I still only do four hours of email a day at my desk. So if you're keeping it on your phone, you're lying to yourself. You don't have to. It's either that or get, it forces you to get really good at that time you have. And that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking forward to make sure the time I use is good. I love it. Well, is there anything else to wrap this up that you think is extremely important that people know about heart rate variability and, and it's, relation to health and fitness and all things in between oh man i think if you're a person who thinks you have good stress management i encourage you to get a hold of this and really dive into it it'll change your life i think that this has opened up a shift of paradigm in the industry in the sense of for a long time it was sleep or um, for a long time it was you know uh nutrition and working out were your biggest things. And then we kind of got, okay, well maybe sleep too. Team no sleep became team no results, as I've said before um, on my various posts. But now we're starting to understand this whole stress variable and just how much stress our bodies can take, the allostatic load. And I think that every single person who's pursuing better health and fitness benefits from understanding just how their body responds to stress. And I'm not saying that you need to get this whoop and wear for the rest of your life, but at some points, it might be beneficial to monitor your stress, especially if you're not getting results, especially if your sleep has gone to trash, you know, and be able to start fine picking your way out um, of problems. And if you're a coach who's looking for a edge, quote unquote, to like work with your clients and, and help them potentially get better results, I think HRV is a very low barrier to entry for someone to really kind of be like, yeah, you know what, what you're saying is right. Yeah. I'm constantly stressed. I'm not going to get results. You know, that's why I keep being a little, you know, piggy or blowing it or drinking or all these different things that happen, you know, cause you start explaining to clients chain events like, Hey, you know, when your body gets low on serotonin, you know, it wants carbs. And, you know, you can start talking to these people when they, when they're armed with the knowledge, you'll be really impressed what 80% of your clients will do. You're going to have 20%. The Pareto principle holds true. Your top are the ones you before and after. And then 80% of that is somewhere in the middle of the herd. But I say, if you take the time to properly educate your clients, if you take the time to really share with them, like things that will be of value, like, hey, look, I get you want to lose 10 pounds for your trip in 30 days. You know, I want 10 million to show up in my bank account in 30 days. Don't work like that. But if you're really interested in looking good and feeling great at 50, 60, 70, 
we need to get this stress under control because stress is going to age you. It is. And then you start doing the blood glucose. Then you start getting their hormones. And then you go down this thing and people believe you more and more and more and put you in the authoritative seat because you, that you, they chose to follow you because of permission. And all too often we lead people in our industry because of position. And I employ coaches to shift that. You're authoritative figure. They're looking at you as such. Lead them. Teach them. Because that's how you make everything better. Uh, I love that because that is exactly how I feel. I, nothing is a secret for me. I want to mm-hmm. teach people. They can't have us forever. I mean, they can, if they want, but do we want to keep them forever? I mean, we love our clients, but we also want to teach them and educate them so they can make solid decisions on their own. So 100%. if you have a coach out there that's keeping secrets and is just like, oh, well, this is the macros and that's it, then it's wrong. And you should probably look for a different coach. <laughs> I 100% agree. But I do think that the industry by and large is getting away with that, away from that. And so this is where I, you know, final note, when I'm in coaching and I love Jim Pop, anyone who just, I speak to them, I get them, they get me. I love my general population people. Um, My average Joes. I joke that my gym is like average Joes off of dodgeball. Um, But, you know, these people, they associate coaches, average Joe's has like your Advocare trainers, has your it wraps trainers. They're, those are trainers. So you're no different. You have to give them a reason why you're different and teach them. And that goes back to leadership. And I think if you're a coach and, and if you don't have a skill set, just ask. 80% of coaches out there are fucking awesome. They're great people. They want to help. They don't mind. They're not going to tease you and look at you and be like, oh, God, Connie didn't know that. Oh, you know, and like it just doesn't go on like people think. Like I work with coaches for them. I'm like, well, what's stopping you from writing some of this stuff? Because you know it. Well, I'm just worried about so-and-so or you all or like thinking me. I'm like, look, I'm like, I promise you I don't have fucking time to like read your shit and like judge it and so forth. I'm reading it and going like, that's great. And I like it and I comment to support if I have the time and that's just what it is. It's all about support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the industry by and large is getting away from that. And as long as coaches keep being more vocal, they're just going to get out, outrooted. You know, I mean, the big thing right now is intuitive eating. I talked about that today. I got clients coming to me for that. I'm like, well, you kind of been doing it your whole life and this is where you're at. So, <laughs> you know, and they get all butt hurt. And then I'm like, I'm just being honest. Like when was the last time you ate consistently? And they're like, I'm like, so you pretty much intuitively ate. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay. So it didn't work. That's why you're talking to me right now. Oh, you know, and they overcome it and it's fine. But I, I, I think that, you know, being an asshole sometimes is okay if you're being honest and it's coming from a good place and only you and you, you know that. And I think that as long as the industry keeps kind of holding that true, you're going to see these people who are charging $3,000 for 12 week programs of shit kind of get pushed out in silence you know uh-huh absolutely it's funny sometimes you do have to play hardball i mean i had somebody the other day she's like uh yeah i've had my food on point everything's been good and i was like well that's not what your instagram stories say yeah no <laughs> you, you know? know and i'll be honest like i used to kind of do all that and get everyone's stories i don't look at anyone's stories anymore <laughs> i'm just like you know what because then because then what happens is i get so pissed off 
because because then I know like two days later, yeah, I don't know why I didn't lose anything. I gained three pounds. Like motherfucker, you're out drinking a bottle of wine and eating Italian meal. Like I know. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm just like, it made me jaded. So I just learned now, like if I don't look at anyone's stories, no harm, no foul. And then I coach baseball was presented to me. And if you've been doing it long enough and you collect the right data, you can tell when people are bullshitting you when they're not. And this yeah. Is not, not out. Yep. Absolutely. Well, how can my listeners find you? Because you have so much quality stuff. You uh, like, I appreciate everything you do. I think they should go check you out and look at everything you got going on too and nerd out. So how do they find you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. We'll have to have you on the excellence cartel soon. Okay. Um, I'll have to get with you on that. I think I'm full all the way up to quarter three, but I definitely want to bring you on. So you have plenty of time to think about a topic you want to talk about. Maybe Jeffrey Sue hamstring training. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but you guys can follow me at Jeff Unbreakable Black on Instagram, RelentlessForever.com. I'm Jeff Black on Facebook. By and large, I like Instagram because I just post there. Facebook to me is just where I, I don't know. I still I'm not into Facebook anymore like I used to. Um, but I'm I actually think I'm gonna start going more into YouTube and doing different stuff like that. Um, more into the IG lives. I'm probably gonna start playing with that. But yeah, if you want to give me a follow please do. You know, I'm always for having good conversations with people. I'll probably say some stuff that pisses you off, rubs you off, but it's always in good fun. So just remember life short. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for everything today, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I cannot wait for everybody to listen to this. Thank you. I enjoy the. I enjoy a good conversation where it just goes all over the place. So it's always me a good too. time. I think we covered everything we needed to on HRV and guys, if we did it, feel free to hit her up free to hit me up. I'm more than happy to help you out. She knows her shit too. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I know I certainly love everything that Jeff has to say, and I could definitely uh, nerd out with him on all sorts of other subjects besides heart rate variability. So hopefully maybe someday I'll get him back on the show to chat about that kind of stuff. If you liked what he had to say, definitely check him out on The Excellence Cartel. It is a great podcast with some of the top coaches in the industry, and they drop a ton of knowledge about health and fitness, so I highly recommend them. You guys, I can't tell you how important it is. If you found value in this episode, please, please, please leave a review. I know that it is hard to remember to take time out of your day to do so, but it helps me so much. It helps me get this podcast out there. It helps me get it out to other people and get this stuff out into the world. I love sharing all of this, and it's very important to me and my mission that it gets across as many ears as possible. So please leave me a review on iTunes. I can't thank you enough in advance for doing that. If you guys want to chat with me or you have other questions, please shoot me a DM on Instagram at Connie Bigani, super easy, or contact me through my website, www.connienightingale.com. 